Welcome to the Entrepreneur Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Chris Wright, and this is your place to get strategies for success in business and in life. Now, let's get straight into the show. I am super excited to be introducing you to today's guest. I met this guy maybe five or six years ago and have just watched him grow and grow and grow. This dude is on fire right now. From a policeman to growing a huge online kettlebell store and company to then building a community and education company for fitness coaches all over the world and now on to waging war on the health and fitness magazines. James Breeze is the founder of Strength Matters and with over 500,000 podcast downloads, 100,000 magazines sold, events in the UK, US and Australia and members from 36 different countries, this is one incredible community. Strength Matters is a rapidly growing business and with some new changes that James is going to tell you about in this episode, it's about to get a whole lot bigger. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the strategies behind growing his businesses. We're going to be talking about how he built such an incredible tribe uh, of people in his community from all different countries. We're going to be talking about his social media strategy and that how to create user-generated content, i.e. having your community generate content for your social media. How cool is that? We're going to be talking about why you need to be a connector. We're going to be talking about why you need to think of your business as a publishing company, as a media company, and so much more. And you'll be able to get all of the show notes and resources over at level10living.co.uk forward slash 39. That's three nine. And I know he wouldn't like me to leave out that this guy loves his rugby, he loves his cricket and his snowboarding, and is a family guy fanatic. Here is James Breeze. Hey, James, and thank you very much for joining us today on the Entrepreneur Playbook podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here, too. Good to see your smiling face today on the camera. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, well, as, as much as possible, smiling for sure. And uh, it's great because, uh, James, actually, you're in Australia at the moment, right? Absolutely. And I would say it's normally a sunny warm hot humid brisbane but it's absolutely chucking it down with rain outside uh, cyclone debbie hit about 250 miles north of here and brisbane is now getting the full force of that rain fortunately get the full-blown hurricanes and spend like 100 mile an hour winds but it's chucking it down with rain very miserable so you've taken the welsh weather with you Yep, literally everyone says that. It's been like this for two weeks now and everyone is cursing me wherever I go. It's your fault is what they're all saying, so that's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> but awesome. So I, I've given you a bit of an intro to James, and but what I really want to find out is James has grown this phenomenal business with a phenom- phenomenal tribe of um, of followers and really just watching James over the, when When did we meet? We met back in like 2012, James, I think it was. Something like 2011, 2012, maybe, yeah, maybe something like that. It was... And watching the the evolution of James's business has just been like an incredible story to watch. And I, I've got him on here today because I want him to share that with you and share perhaps some stories of the process of what he's gone through and all kinds of things. But for people that don't know who you are, James, can you give us like a, a 60 second intro to who's James, what he's up to right now, where he is, etc.? Absolutely. My full, full name is James Breeze. I am from Mid Wales originally. My first language is Welsh. Um, I grew up and was born in a little town called Machanlleth, which is near Aberystwyth on the west coast of Wales. Um, but I'll go back and speak to English with you, okay? As you can see, <laughs> yes, my accent comes back. There you go. Um, now, I literally I grew up in Wales on a farm, middle of nowhere, and um, suddenly, randomly, 
at one point decided, I know, what shall I do at university? Let's do French and German. Uh, completed that, did a master's in computer science, um, and then along the way ended up working in the police for quite some time in London. And during that time, I thought, hey, I love health and fitness. I love playing sports and athletic. I have an idea. I've discovered this thing called a kettlebell. So, um, hey, Dad, how about you go into business with me, Dad, and let's start up a kettlebell business and sell kettlebells, cast iron products, and uh, books and DVDs. Um, that is pretty much 60 seconds in the life of James Breeze, and I've ended up now living in Brisbane uh, with my fantastic girlfriend, Vicky. And, um, yeah, it's a long way from Wales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, let's... Okay, so let's dive into aspects of that journey. First of all, from making the transition from... Uh, the police to setting up your own business was that throw in the towel see you later I'm done I'm going all in on my own business how did you manage that transition uh, it was it was interesting because like I was the units I was having to work with in the police it meant that I had to train for an hour a day and we were training consistently but getting injured all the time and it led me to getting just fed up of being injured and I thought right I need to learn what the hell I'm doing or what I'm doing wrong and fix that so I went and did my PT courses very lucky to be asked to go and do certain courses when I was in the police as well and just honed in my exercise skills and then I was out in Israel and I got introduced to the kettlebell and um, mate Tommy Blom who's uh, from Sweden six foot four uh, they call him the gentle giant but he's the one of the most scariest guys you'll ever meet in your life um, he introduced me to the kettlebell he was just juggling a 24 kilo around and I thought what's that let's have a go kicked my ass quite literally kicked my ass and I thought right Let's work out how to do this. Saw a niche, came back to the UK. No one was doing kettlebells. And then one day I was at home literally playing with a kettlebell and I was like swinging it, snatching it. And the handle fell off literally midair and it landed in the middle of the floor in the lounge where I was training. <laughs> and I almost crapped myself thinking, oh my God, I'm going to break something here. It's the house I just bought. And I was oh no, oh no, oh no. And that was it. And I thought, this try to find some decent products and there was nothing. There's absolutely nothing, no decent quality cast iron kettlebells at the time. So one idea led to another, involved my dad and the warehouse back home, back in Wales. He stupidly agreed to help out and ship out all the kettlebells. Well, I set everything up and that, that's how it all started. It was a, um, it was a transition. It was, a, it was literally a two year transition before I left. Um, I set it up as I was going along, my spare time as a hobby. And then um, one thing led to another. Um, it was the actually 2011, the riots, where I didn't really see home for a long period of time. Um, for, during that thing, so if anyone remembers it in London and all the scenes of all the police officers in the flames and stuff, yep, that was me. <laughs> that was me stuck in that for three days. But everyone thinks it just lasted three days, but it lasted the full six weeks after that as well, in where we had to go into, into the houses and arrest people and pick up people who are just ram raiding curries at free will. I'll, I'll never forget this random, random police story was that um, on, the, on the second night of rioting in Brixton, the manager from curries actually opened up the store to let the looters in and was caught red handed stealing the TVs herself. And I'll never, I'll never <laughs> ever forget that. Anyway, that's a random off tangent story. But it, it, we just transitioned into it. And then one thing led to another. I was realizing there was more returns we made um, in the actual business and being self-employed as opposed to working long hours in the police. And I thought, yeah, time to leave, time to make a change. And that was it. Magic. I think the kind of the key lesson for the, the people listening to take out of that is, look, you don't have to throw in, you don't have to sort of burn the boats as it were straight away and leave your job to go and set it up that you can, you know, 
you set your the kettlebell shop up uh you know as a as you said as a hobby in your spare time and it just grew and grew and you grew it uh, over two years before you went you know what now's the time that i leave the job and i now go all in on my business does that sound about right yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly right. And I think that was the right way to go about it for myself as well, because it was extremely scary for me when I left my full time salary and full time paying job. It was uh, an interesting period. And it was like, oh, my God, wow, have I made the right decision? But there was some fallback option where I had some money saved, uh, six months money worth of money saved ready for me to take that leap just in case anything did go wrong, I could go back into it. So I highly recommend, a lot of people say jump in with two feet, but I'm I'm all for looking at, okay, let's plan for the worst and like hope for the best. Yeah. Like that's kind of like my thing. So if we keep planning for the worst and do all the prep work, the best will happen irrespective of what else happens. So that, nice. that's kind of my philosophy, how I do that. A good bit of risk management there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you find, do you feel like your experience in the police has helped you in, your, like you've now got a, a phenomenal team. Do you feel like your experience in the police has helped you build that team, helped you build your business and, and take it to the levels that it's gone to? Yeah, I, yeah, yes and no. I think it's, uh, it's funny. You, you say, like, you think most police officers, if you speak to them, are there, they're not very naive. They can smell and see straight through you. And that's, that you can. We talk, talk to criminals and talk to people lying and stuff like that. You see it straight through you. But I think there was a sense of naivety when I left that criminal world and went into the real world of business. So everyone's friendly and happy and nice. And there was an element of me where I was like naive going into that bit, into that industry and realizing, okay, everyone's nice and nice. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, that yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like here. Yeah. So the element of that, but then in other elements of how to talk to people, how to uh, establish relationships, build rapport with people, uh, networking, I think is a big thing. One of, one of my jobs in the police, I was um, what you call a chis handler, not to be confused with jizz handler, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a covert human intelligence source. Um, and I used to, you know, I did the workshops and courses with them and it allowed you to understand how to build relationships and the psychology of working with people and knowing that, you know, how how to handle different aspects because you come across all sorts of walks of life so it was through that and the networking skills i I developed and also the targeting skills of how to pinpoint certain things that really help transition into business for sure awesome awesome again i think like uh, we've we've used you as a topic of police right and you've taken advantage Uh of the opportunities that were available to you there but I'm, lots of people who are in roles now will, will have lots of potential opportunities available to them. They've just got to seek them out and take advantage of those, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Absolutely. Okay, so let's 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 move forward in that time scale. You've set up your online shop. You've taken the leap into you're know, you're all in on your business. Um, talk us through the next like because I know what happens in the next, I know what happens. I've kind of got the, uh, <laughs> the behind the scenes already. But talk us through that next kind of step, that next kind of evolution, um, and where it really kind of for me from a I guess from a, an outsider and actually from a from someone who consumes the content that you were putting out there, the transition from shop to actually really building a community, really building a tribe. Talk us through that kind of process. So what became very early, you know, what we realized early on was that with the shop, with physical products like cast iron products and weights, uh, what I discovered, it's a race to the bottom. It's not about value. It's not about the quality, you know, because there's always somebody trying to undercut you and trying to do better deals or trying to do something. So it's always, like I say, I always say when it comes to fitness products or certain products, it, it's quality sometimes doesn't always come into it. 
It's about how, how much you can get out and it affects your bottom line, your profit margin. So I started to see that. Whereas early on, we had the niche in the market. There was no one else doing what we did. And it took three years for any competitors to catch up with what we're doing. Um, and then we were niching down on kettlebells. And other competitors were now doing other big cast iron weights, barbells, dumbbells. So what they were doing, they were able to halve the price of the kettlebells and then make up their margins and other items as part of a package. And that's what wasn't what we were doing. So we realized that was a big race to the bottom. And it is now that we didn't want to be a part of because there was only going to be one winner if we started playing that game. And that's not us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what we wanted to do was establish that we wanted to put education first. And we always said that against the big brands, the big names, uh, we're not going to outmarket them with their marketing budget, but we can out-educate them. So we realized very you know, early on that it's about the education side of things and how we deliver the education to build and tie the bond to the kettlebell to make them more want to become more about what we're doing and buy our products and services. So um, the more we started talking about that, the more people wanted to come to us because they gravitated towards not just for the products, but actually for the education courses. Yeah. And then it kept on building and building and building. And then one of the things is say, going back to the skills from the police is the ability to listen and listen to the right things so the more we listened the more we asked questions the more we realized what services and products our customers actually wanted and it was feeding back into this community and it was it wasn't the idea wasn't to build a community or a tribe back then but it was like building towards something we knew that education would feed the sales of the product and product sales product sales would feed the education and then we started to realize that there's no one really looking after them and listening to them. At the time, it was more health and fitness professionals and helping and supporting them. So the community kind of grew um, automatically. And it just it was like an evolutionary process. And then as it grew, we suddenly realized that actually the money is not to be made in, like, say, the physical product anymore. But servicing this community and giving them more of what they want, making them feel part of a tribe, making them feel part of everything else, uh, make them feel connected. Because for the life of the time, for the life of a health and fitness professional, it's a very lonely business. Yeah. You can either be a one man band traveling in your van, going from house to house or even a gym on your own. There's not really connected. So I wanted to be a connector for a bunch of like minded people and just support and listen to them, basically. Amazing. So there's a couple of key things that I want to kind of pull back on there and just really um, highlight for people if they haven't kind of paused and written that down. So the first thing you said was uh, well, originally the, the products were first and that was fine for a while. That was fine for a couple of years until the rest of the world caught on. Uh, and then it just became a race to the bottom of who could charge the cheapest. And actually then yep. it became all about putting education first. And, and by that, I'm just going to use the term value, right? Putting value first. And when yep. people connect with you and they build a relationship with you and your brand and your business, like buying buying the products from you just became the obvious choice, right? It cost probably yep. became more irrelevant, I suppose. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I guess the tip there for everybody, if you are, if you have, they have got a shop, if they have got some like a a product or products that they're selling, is actually start with value, start with education, even if it's from a simple point of view of getting on Facebook Live and uh, and doing like a talk, right, and just and then have links to the products there, but don't make them the sole focus of it. Is that is that along the right lines, James? Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. The, the product the product should be a tool, um, and you should have a, a, a service that educates people about that tool. Because that's what people crave more than anything. Love that. Love that. That's fantastic. Um, 
And then you took the step out from, and then going, right, okay, so we've got these these people who are in the industry, in the fitness, health and fitness industry. And like you said, being, and it's not just the health and fitness industry. I know loads of people, when they set up a business, it's a lone, they, they always say it, it's a lonely road, right? You're on your own. Um, that's how lots of people start up in business. They go, I'm great at my thing that I do. And I'm like, and then they go on their own. And and what you said was actually very powerful. I think you became a connector. You were actually, you're kind of, you saw your role as connecting those people and bringing those people together. Um, and yeah. through that, talk us through that journey, how you're, um, how you connected those people, what you kind of did to encourage that. Because if anyone comes onto your, your Instagram, your Facebook pages, etc., it's what I love is just all the, um, what I'm going to use the term user generated content, right? It's like, yes, there's some great content that you guys put out, but so much of it is from the health and fitness coaches that are a part of your community. So how have you built that environment? It was, so there's, there's two elements to that. I think one, we can look at the social media strategy we use and we employed from start to finish. And then, um, we can look at what I did to like bring it to begin with. So the first thing I did was obviously I started to organize events that people were interested in around kettlebells because we were selling kettlebells at the time. But what I did then was like, it's when Facebook's early days of groups. So I set up a Facebook group. So everyone was able to share ideas, share problems, talk with each other online, and they were connecting to each other online on a daily basis almost. Um, that was great. It was, you know, and then we'd, if someone would say, hey, I, does anyone know anybody who lives in such and such? I need to send somebody there or vice versa. So just simple connecting things there. And then it became, okay, well, we need to do some meetups. Let's organize a meetup in person, in like somewhere, you know, that type of thing. So it, like, it evolved. So it was online to begin with. And then it became in-person meetups. And that's what we wanted to try and do. Because as I always tell people, you need to build real relationships with real people. Because everyone gets stuck behind their computer or their Skype like we are now. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, you know, or like just behind Facebook Messenger. But you need to get out in front of people and shake them, be belly to belly, have a real conversation, switch off your phones and just connect and talk to people. And that's what people have forgotten these days. And I see it so many times. So that was important. You need the digital side of things, and but you also need like the in life, real relationship building process of getting people there so you can connect with them even more. And that was the goal for that. So that was the, the first step with that side of things. And do you uh, think people were craving that? Right. Do you think people were craving that kind of connection do you think that's the, that's what was missing in in your world absolutely there was there was a whole for the guy what we realized there's a lot of people who want to who had the same uh, ideology or training style that they wanted but they didn't they thought they were alone they thought they were the outsiders so they thought well no one else trains the way i do uh, but then i found gave them a home to say yes no actually there is you know there's other people who are like-minded like you know, other communities who think like you so it was it was that kind of uh, feeling i think that we, I helped to generate and forge and create, create that closeness and bond between them all. Awesome. Awesome. And then you were going to take us on to your, I think you said your social media strategy, right? Is that what you were going to yeah. go into? Yeah, exactly. So the first thing is that we looked at the social media and we said, right, let's connect the people. Let's find out what they want and make sure that they're all looked after, bring them in person. And then um, it was then about, okay, well, let's, we weren't generating much content at the time because we didn't have time to, we, I didn't have a big team back then. Um, so I thought, well, let's put user content out there to begin with. Let's get users to generate the content. And it was when like two of my biggest influences in, in companies and brands are GoPro and Red Bull. Okay. Yeah. I absolutely love those two things. They're my lifestyle, 
kind of like ideas and philosophies behind things. I hate the drink Red Bull. It brings back too many bad memories from <laughs> student days. Um, and like it's too sugary for me now. I just can't take it. But I love the brand. It's a, it's a lifestyle, um, adventurous type brand that I, I can really relate to. So I looked at what those guys are doing. And my tip to anybody who's running businesses is, is to find the shortcut in look at the best and what they're doing and copy them. It's no harm in copying. There's nothing in original these days. So just go ahead and copy them and implement it for your for you and your business. So GoPro, this was back when Facebook pages were allowing people to see your content when you posted it and yeah. it wasn't, didn't have to pay for traffic to get to it. Um, we're doing this competition, daily competition called Photo of the Day. Like, you know, here's a chance to win GoPro goodies. And I was like, oh my God, that's a great idea. I am going to steal that. So <laughs> I put the complete focus on this and I got all the users to post photos and then using the hashtag kettlebell fever, I think it was, or photo of the day. I can't remember one of the two hashtags. And suddenly we had this influx of people sharing photos like on a daily type basis. And it was one of the best ideas ever. It just spread like wildfire because and at the end of each month, we then gave, gave away a free kettlebell to the best photo of the month. And it just kind of built from there, basically. So social media, I think, is all about generating, you know, user-generated content and putting the user first, in my personal opinion. Put the user first. Amazing. Um, and I think too often we go into business and with our, with not even just social media strategy, but just kind of our whole business philosophy. And it's, we're focusing on the product that we have. And almost, yep. <laughs> this is going to sound horrible, but trying to force that on people or trying to be like, look, this is great. You need it. But actually flip it and what you've just said is put them first you've said it several times already listen to what they wanted listen to what they needed listen to what they craved and give them that yep it sounds simple when we put it that way around right <laughs> absolutely but then you know, we can talk, it's easy to listen they think yeah that's a great idea it's the actual making yourself implement it and sit down and go right okay i'm going to do this now that's the hard bit um across with anything because it's time life gets in the way you name it but it's it comes down to consistency as well and that's one of the biggest things like one of the lessons i've learned say in the last say couple of years like let's take photo of the day for, you know what is the big mistake what's a big mistake it's a it's an it's a something i overlooked at the time so um we did photo of the day we did it every day and then for whatever reason we stopped doing it and for a little bit and whereas we're doing it consistently every day at the same time Suddenly it didn't happen like that way. And then we kind of like edged off. And then what happened is, is the user engagement started to come down. And so my biggest lesson anywhere is that if you're posting content, don't expect one thing to stick and work just doing it once. You've got to do it consistently at the same time, the same place every week, every day sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that we, um, for people that have listened to uh, an episode with uh uh, become the line Trevor from become the line was talking about he was like we post on Instagram at 8 midday 4 p.m 8 p.m like every day like he goes our audience know when we're showing up they know the time we're going to be there like <laughs> they know exactly and they're like as soon as we lose that consistency is when we start seeing a decrease in our um in our engagement I was like wow okay it's that that you go we can miss one and it affects the engagement I'm like wow okay that's crazy wow that's um, true it's true it's the same same, same what we found with our blog. We found with like, if we, if the more sporadic we are with our blogs and content going out, the less traffic it led to the website. And it had a big, huge 
huge impact on the email open rates and all sorts as well. So that's the one thing we've been working on so hard behind the scenes at the moment is that consistency in everything that we do. Nice. I've put, I've put here, I've written on my notes, consistency in big letters, put stars and arrows around it as well. That's <laughs> going to be a key theme. Uh, sweet. So then like you've got this raving fan base of coaches, right? Of fit pros, mm-hmm. of people who are, they're the people going out and helping, I'm going to say general Joe public, um, but they're going out there and helping these the, the public get fit get more mobile use kettlebells use all the different kind of fitness equipment right and, and really just improve their their lives and now i know that the business has taken over even over the quite recently taken a nice mm. kind of um another evolution another step to the growth of the business so talk us through this next stage of evolution and how you see the business going and where you see it going so like so so kettlebell fever look, I'll, I'll give a quick transition to like i'm the company's now strength matters kettlebell fever is still going but it's, I'm phasing it out completely because we've stopped selling cast iron products and books and DVDs because it's not where the core focus is. It was working great back in 2012 and 2011, but it, now it's our core focus is education and where we're going now. So Kettlebell Fever has morphed into Strength Matters. Now, what we found with is with a certain product like Kettlebell Fever, the, name, the, the clues in the name, it's about kettlebells, right? Yeah. So there, therefore, we realized... We grew it as big as we could. We became the largest producer of kettlebells in Europe on cast iron kettlebells. Like everywhere we went through, it was selling everywhere. It was fantastic. But there's, there's a limit to that because there's only so many kettlebell users you're going to have. Yeah. You can't really grow that network or size anymore. Uh, and like I said, it was a race to the bottom. So like profits start dwindling. It's like, okay, this is, this is a nightmare. This is not what I want to be in. So one day, the tagline we always used was strength matters, kettlebell fever, strength matters underneath the logo. And one day I just put a T-shirt out saying strength matters on it. And we sold more T-shirts in a week than we had them for the whole year. <laughs> Amazing. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. What the hell's going on here? There's a message in we here realized, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So everyone talks about niching down and being your niche. And I 100% agree you need to be in a niche. But also you need to realize that sometimes your niche has a capped audience and you can't grow beyond that. So the stage of growth from kettlebell fever to strength matters was me realizing that, yeah, we can't grow the business much further without changing the name and changing the focus. Strength matters is more, it's more encompassing. It's more inclusive. It doesn't relate to a specific tool to get something done. So that was the transition. Um, and then at the same time, we realized and we're listening to the coaches because we were very focused on health and fitness professionals um, at that time and listening to the coaches and the common things that were coming up were, I've stopped reading men's health. I don't read men's fitness. I'll look at this crap in this magazine. Look at this crap in that magazine. Oh, I've stopped reading it. And they, all of them were saying the same thing. These are the same gripes, the same things. And I thought, well, hang on a second. That's interesting. Um, well, if they're saying that, surely there's a magazine out there that you can maybe buy. So I started looking at it. And then long story short, I got stuck in an airport for 14 hours, um, 14 hours after being returned away from Ryanair, having not had my just having a paper ticket and not having it because I had it on my PDF and my phone at the time. I was like, oh, God, what's going on here? So I ended up staying in Stanford Airport for 14 hours. And Honestly, I went through back and forth to Smith. So everyone's been to Stansted, knows where WH Smith is there, the magazine, the book place. I thumbed through every fitness magazine possible and I just couldn't bring myself to buy it. I was so bored. I wanted to read something. <laughs> I couldn't buy it. I was reading through it. There's just nothing in it. There's nothing useful to what I was doing, teaching or anything at all. And I said, right, this is going to change. I need to fix this. <laughs> so um, quite literally, 
that idea lent to what I call the Strength Matters newsletter. We started off doing a printed newsletter, um, became so popular with sending out over 3,000 of those copies a month um, for free around the world. And it's like cost me a, a ton of money. Yeah, not, I, no, <laughs> I, need to, I need to stop this. Because um, somebody told me once that do a printed net newsletter every month for a year and then tell me in a year's time what it's done for your business. And uh, I thought, well, that's a good idea. Let's do that because nobody else is doing it. So I thought, let's try it out. So I did. And within six months, the, new, the newsletter had become so popular, we turned it into a podcast, the Strength Matters podcast, and we'd set up a summit, like a two-day conference uh, for health and fitness professionals who wanted to come and be a part of it. In fact, you were there, Chris. I was, yeah. The first ever UK one. Um, and, and that was it, basically. So the transition was through that and we continued servicing health and fitness professionals and we have been for the last couple of years um but the evolution can i pause, being, before we go on james can i just pause you yeah, there sure. for a second because i do I, I know i asked the question originally but now you've got me uh-huh. excited about other other bits so um, yeah can. in in that talking about you taking your newsletter and um and then that resulted in the the launch of the podcast your two-day conferences and, and a whole host of other trainings in sector i know as well talk to me like in a world of iPads, online content, right? What was the, what, why did you then go, I'm going to go to a physical newsletter and magazine um, when everyone else is going completely the other way? What made you do that? Because I am one of those people that like to think different and think differently from everybody else. If some, if everybody else is going one way, I'll go the other way first. It may be the wrong way, but I'll just do it on principle. <laughs> In some, I'm just one of those. I like to look. I like to see things differently. I like to look at other things. And um, it was two things. Everyone's going digital, and I thought, well, hang on a second. I still value physical books, and also I feel that. Having something physical is more of a brand builder than it is having something online that's easily forgotten. Yes. Um, and we can talk about this later on because I've since going into digital stuff at the moment again, but that's part of the evolution of what we're doing. But, um, but yeah, no, just having something physical landing on your doorstep, built this bond to your tribe and your customers that the only day were getting to learn about what was happening in the community. So it became this expectation that people um, want, are looking forward to the magazine coming out each month or each yeah. day or, or, you know, and for it to land through the, the door and like something to open it. It's that yeah. thing of ripping it open. It's like a Christmas every month. Yeah. And that was kind of <laughs> how we thought about it. And that was, that was the key thing. We wanted to make that happen to make it to people realize that, look, you know, this is more than just a digital e-line thing that you can get online. We wanted to make it more um, realistic and more relevant to lead towards where we wanted to get to. I never realized it would be in, turned into a magazine, but it quickly did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so it turned into a magazine. You had writers from all different experts from all over the world, which was incredible. You have incredible content that goes out. And it's a, high, you know, it's a very high quality magazine that then is what is what appeared. Did that just naturally progress out of the newsletter or was it something that you went, I'm going to create a whole new product or had that kind of happen? It progressed in the newsletter straightforward and you know we had a, a small budget to begin with um with the newsletter which is quite nice we had a designer who's doing the newsletter building it month by month fantastic and then as we realized like people it was people are saying to us actually that hey we want more nine pages isn't enough and i was like oh no <laughs> nine pages isn't enough okay we need to do something about this so um and once you start doing these things you can't stop it that's the biggest problem 
so like you know you, you can if you've got a magazine every month and people subscribe they're expecting another thing this month and it yeah. just keeps on going keeps on going it was just pure evolution it's like okay people want more we want more we can't sustain this by just doing it for free every month with a big newsletter we need to look into actually make turning it into recurring revenue or income so that we can cover the costs of print design and shipping so you took your um, newsletter and you started your newsletter and did you say that you didn't charge for that to begin with? Uh, it was a yeah. free thing that you sent out. Um, do, is, obviously, I mean, this sounds like a silly question, but is the newsletter something that you'd recommend to other businesses, people who are listening, go go and serve your clients in this way, send them out a newsletter? Is that something you'd recommend they do? Yeah, absolutely. But make sure you have the time and resources to do it. Like I, it'll be a game changer for you and your business. Absolutely game changer because it sits on coffee tables. It sits on, on in waiting rooms. It gets handed around. People used to like collect them all. And in fact, there's, we've had so many occasions where somebody has been taking it to somewhere, like left them to a gym. There was one poor guy that had his back. He actually got mugged like, and he lost all seven issues from the start of the magazine, right? And he lost them all because he got mugged and his bag was taken. And uh, we, he was like gutted and we, we sent them all out to replace them all. But he said, I didn't care about the bag and stuff and I was just more gutted that my magazines were gone. <laughs> and we've had, we've had things like that. And it's, it's funny, people will take the magazines to work with them and they get stolen. Yeah. <laughs> and people are call, people call us up all the time. Hey, I've just had my magazine stolen at work. I put it down for two seconds, someone's taken it. Like, you know, what happens like that? So things like that, if you can get that happening in your business, it's just such a great thing because it's, it's, it's essentially a book. Everyone knows if you publish a book, you have a status in your business that elevates you above most people. So we'd become a publisher without trying to be, and it elevates your status as a brand and as a company to that of a publisher. And people take you more seriously if you say, hey, I've got a print magazine. It opens a lot of doors, trust me. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, and you, you know, it's in today's day and age, as it were, it's so easy, rel- or relatively easy, I should say, to become your own publisher, to become your own media entity, right? You don't have to be the, the huge corporations. You have all the tools and resources that like right in front of you. So, um, and, yep. I, and, and perhaps the like, so talk us through that next transition. So you've gone from the podcast, the Strength Matters podcast, you've got the two-day conferences that you run all over the world, like San Diego, UK, Australia, is mm. that right? Um, yep. For the uh, for coaches. And now this next transition is really, well, you tell us, t- tell us about this next transition. Well, that's the thing. So as we started going into Strength Matters and at some point we started realizing it was going more down the kettlebell line again, but we, we saw the evolution of the world of fitness and kettlebells has almost had its time. We think it's a great tool, but it's now a commodity that you can get in Tesco's or Walmart or anywhere else you can think of. It's just one of those things. And um, so we started seeing the evolution of people want to move better. They want to have a good exercise. They, they want to have fun and they want to train for everyday life and be better at everyday life. It's not necessarily a competition for them. They want to be fit, healthy. They want to live to 100, that type of thing. So as we started working more with coaches and we want, we're trying to build and grow the magazine, we realized that, again, we're in a, in a capped audience in a sense of like when it comes to health and fitness professionals. Like we want to help and service them and support them. But there's only so many fitness professionals in the world today. And also most of them burn out after 18 months and two yeah. years. So it's a, <laughs> it's a repeat cycle on and on and on. So love working with those guys. At the same time, well, what about the everyday people that we wanted to help and get our voice out to? So we suddenly realized that our message and our brand was like, well, strength matters. 
not just for health and fitness professionals, but for everyday people too. And we think the message we have, we need to start targeting them and helping support them at the same time while changing the magazine. So we went through a really real deep, so for the last three months, I've gone into like gutting the company out essentially, re-looking at the message, how the message is come, comes across and who we actually stand for. So looked at the values, looked at um, the types of people that we attract and started really diving into that basically. So that now strength matters, whereas before we didn't really have a tagline or saying or anything we, here, we now know that our market and who we're going after is we are for the everyday athlete. You know, strength matters is for the everyday athlete. Who is the everyday athlete? It's people who seek adventure, it's curious, they think differently and train with a purpose. Um, and that purpose is not allowing them to be constrained by everyday life or allowed to be constrained by the gym. They're training to get outside the gym to, you know, be better husbands, be better wives, carry their shopping, climb mountains, do do things. And that's what we want to focus on now is help support those guys, support that community and the coaches and trainers to help support those everyday athletes too and connect them. So it goes back to the connecting. We want to connect good coaches to the everyday athletes and go from there. Because secretly we think everyone's an athlete. Everyone's an athlete. They just don't know it. Yeah. You know, you need to be athletic. And the biggest problem we we want to try and fix now is that as we age, yes, we know we're, we're losing strength every day. It's a never-ending battle. But what I think is a big point now is we're becoming less and less agile, and we're losing speed. Now I don't mean sprinting speed. Look at your average 60 or 70-year-old walking down the high street, hunched over, shuffling their feet. Okay. Those are the people we need to be helping because I know I personally don't want to look like that when I'm 70. I want to be walking around climbing Everest. I don't know. But, you know, it's that that type of feat, and that's who we're trying to help now. And we've got a stronger message to go with it. But from a business side of things, it opens up our market to allow us to grow more as a business. Yeah, huge. Okay, cool. So you haven't you haven't left the coaches. The coaches are still going to be served. They're still going to have their um, their specific. Uh, I guess area if you like this yeah. you're still serving those you've just opened up to a much greater target market yep awesome absolutely and and for me like it's uh, you know it's something that we we talk about a lot with with entrepreneurs with business owners like that in itself is you like and I, you know I've taught used this term before in terms of like you they are athletes right they because yep. someone who's trying to work for however many hours a day like with high energy high creativity like and, and keep that in, and enthusiasm all day long, right? You've got to be fit. You've got to be healthy. You can't like, I, I think I even read a stat somewhere. I can't even remember where this is from. I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was literally like mm -hmm. um, healthier people earn more than unhealthy yep. people. And I was like, that stat alone should make everyone go, right, how on earth do I get healthier, right? But, but at the same time, healthier people live to 100. Yeah, that too. That makes it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, that, yeah. that, and that is the thing that we're talking. There's, there's an interesting study. Like there's, there's I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and again, I'm going to butcher this stat now as well. <laughs> but there's eight places in the world, eight areas in the world, called blue zones. And those blue zones are where the average age, I think, is something over 85 or 90. And the vast majority of, of people are live to over 100. Okay. Wow. And they've, look, they've looked at the reasons here. And some of the main reasons are that they're, it's a community. They have consistency. Um, they have a routine, they also exercise and they're happy. I think those are the, some of the key points from that. Um, so like I said, our, our mission is more than just getting people strong and like, Hey, yeah, you need to be strength or no, strength matters, but you know, it's about living to hundred. Our goal is to serve the everyday athlete, which is everybody 
right? But also help the people who are not so athletic lead into uh, the world of becoming more athletic without, you know, the bodybuilding style um, imagery that you get across everyone, t-shirts off, big muscles that not everyone wants. I'd rather big fun- I'd rather have functional, you know, muscles to allow me to, to run up mountains and climb down mountains or things like that, or just walk up and down stairs easily enough. 100%. And so what we're going to be seeing in the next few years is that actually Strength Matters is it's going to be the ninth blue zone where the average age of your community is going to be over the age of 90. 120. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great way to look at it. I'd love that to happen. <laughs> How amazing would that be? So, um, and, and it's so important for people to, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot today in terms of from an entrepreneurial point of view, from people who own their own businesses. We talked about the journey of your business of, you know, building your raving fan base helping them um or getting them to generate content for you almost which was great we've talked about the kind of process of going from online shop putting education first um then that leading into your newsletters your magazine to your podcast to the two-day conference like just even just going back over this james i'm like crap this guy's done a lot um <laughs> and i think like, people will sort of see that um and then that led into you know really saying look we're a publisher we've created our own publishing company our own media entity and that's led to this new going down the new line of the everyday athlete which i think is an amazing message so there's just from that there's a whole load of business lessons but then also we're looking at the you know the health aspects of you know people need if you're going to be an uh, an effective and and a great entrepreneur a great business owner a great leader like you have to be healthy you have to be fit so um and i love that stat about the blue zones and i think you said community consistency exercise and happiness those are the four things i think you mentioned and if if that's the kind of stuff that we need to be learning that's the kind of stuff that we need to be a part of in order to improve our health and live to 100 and you're creating that community that sounds absolutely amazing so um i'm in fact going to start wrapping this up james and i'm going to ask you two (laughs) final questions that yeah sure the the first one for you is where can people find out more about you find out more about strength matters and find out more about the community uh, or this new evolving community and get involved in it. Honestly, thanks, Chris. It's been it's been great being on. By the way, uh, always a pleasure chatting and talking talking with you. Uh, normally it's at the bar, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always good. Now, honestly, if anyone wants to get to know us, um, please visit uh, realstrengthmatters.com. That's our main website. You can check out our blog, check out all the information and content we're putting out. It's not just for health and fitness professionals. It's sharing ideas and what we believe in is our what we call um, our key message and have people being healthy um ideally though we actually have a brand new app launching um in the Ooh. coming day in the coming days um in so fact, we're going it digital should, it should be out by the time we we launch this this yep. podcast so uh yeah absolutely the- so literally search if you just go into the apple store the google play store even amazon i don't even know amazon did apps but they do um <laughs> go on to there so we've, we've decided to go into the venture into the digital world because we now know we need both to survive in the world and to get maximum reach um that's where our focus is going so yeah download the app it's got all our blogs podcasts and you can thumb through all 26 issues of the magazine 26 issues it's been a lot it's been Amazing, going a long yeah. time so they can go on they can so go to the website real strength matters uh, to go and check out kind of everything get there's whole loads of content on there but ideally go and download the app what's the app called it's got the Strength Matters map. Strength, Strength Matters, Matters Magazine. Go, search Strength Matters Magazine and it will come up. Strength Matters Magazine. Go and download that. 
they can get the last Please 26 do. episodes 26 episodes 26 uh, editions issues. of the ma- issues there you go of the magazine um, and I assume that they can subscribe and find out for more information on the future magazines etc as well there absolutely and if I can ask for a small favor like we're waging war on pretty much on the health and fitness magazine industry so if you if you want to help us out please download it and rate and review the app so we can beat the others I won't name any but I think there's a place <laughs> it's def- we're definitely trying to fill in the niche and the gap but beyond what normal health and fitness magazines are doing so that's my so, that's my only plug I'm going to do <laughs> so basically if you're fed up of the drivel that comes out of uh, health and fitness magazines uh, on store shelves go and download the magazine go and read it and like immerse yourself in it the content is incredible like it's just amazing so go and grab that and then if you do enjoy it uh, leave James and the team a rating and review so they know they're doing a good job and help others see the uh, so others see the magazine as well cheers Chris amazing so that should be that should be out by the time we launch this podcast I'll have it all linked up in the show notes as well I don't know if I can link through to Amazon and Google Play through the through the we'll see what I can do I'll, 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 find, I'll, I'll, I'll find a way I'll help out we'll, we'll, we'll make that happen so people can go get that link over at the show notes as well to make life easier for them um, final question for you James one oh. Could, would you mind sharing one final piece of guidance, advice, a quote, anything for our audience? Oh, that's, that's a good one. Um, implementation is king. It's all great having an idea, but unless you actually go out and implement it, nothing will ever happen. So always think about implementation. And I'll give you one other bit. See your company as a media brand okay doesn't mean you have to be a magazine company doesn't mean you have to be a newspaper every every company now should own its own media and you should have control of it don't rely on other things see a company as a media brand start publishing great content and people will come amazing james thank you so much for coming on today i think that last message kind of sums up Sums up your last six, seven years, James. I think implementation is king. If there's something that I've watched you do over the last and watched you do consistently over the last six, seven years is implement like freaking crazy. Like for for anyone who like listening, like you see James and, uh, you know, he's, he's not joking. We'll be chatting, whether it's at the bar or in a coffee shop somewhere. And he'd be like, I'm thinking about doing this. And four hours later, it's done. I'm like, wow. OK, this dude's <laughs> on fire. So um, implementation, like James, I think that's a huge message. Implementation is king. Uh, see your company as a media brand. Love that. James, thank you so much for joining us today. So much value that you've dropped on us there. Uh, I'm excited for the launch of the new uh, digital magazine. And yeah, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, Chris. All the best. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Wow, what a great episode with James there. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you'd like to get the show notes, the resources, the links to his magazine, then just head on over to level10living.co.uk forward slash 39. That's 39. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to the Entrepreneur Playbook podcast. I hope you are loving it. If you'd like to come and hang out with other entrepreneurs, other business owners in our Facebook group, then just head on over to level10living.co.uk forward slash playbook and that will take you straight to our Facebook group. Oh yeah, and don't forget you can grab a free copy of russellbrunson.com secrets book which gives you all the strategies and even scripts you need for really smashing and growing your business online. I freaking love this book and you can get it for free just by going to level10living.co.uk forward slash secrets. And if you're loving the show, then please also head on over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review and that would mean a lot to me. So thank you for everyone who goes and does that. 
And remember, in the words of Marion Williamson, playing small does not serve the world. And so for me, that means leveling up in all areas of our lives. All the best.